Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everybody to MotorWeek podcast number 144. Hey, 12 times 12. That's cool. We're, you know, that's a big number. I'm John Davis, and with me today uh, around our table in Studio C at MotorWeek headquarters is writer-producer Brian Robinson. Uh, hello, John. I'll try to uh, get all of my words out correctly this time. Took a Thank breather. Thank you very much, Brian. Our writer, Greg Patrick Lucas. Sorry, Patrick. Greg Patrick. Oh. Greg Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Lucas. Hey. Patrick. Who is also the producer of this podcast. Podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. Now John's having John's problems. Oh, right around the table. And our assistant producer, who you just heard from, Greg Carlos. That is me, who you just heard from. All right. I'll try and keep my words to a minimum. We have a lightning round, a viewer question. We have a rant and rave section if we have something that's uh, bothering us. But first, some of the vehicles we have been testing recently here at Motor Week. Uh, we've got a lot of SUVs on this uh, program. Infinity QX80. It's about as big as they get. Uh, this is a, um, uh, a rebadging of a vehicle that was already out that's uh, now based on the Nissan Patrol, which is a very uh, well-regarded truck-type full-frame vehicle. So when you gussy it up and you call it an Infinity, is it successful or not? What do you think? Uh, I think it's been pretty successful for them. We were over at the dealership the other day picking one up, and uh, the sales uh, manager there was very happy with sales, and he said – Pretty much everyone uh, is purchased by a female. Is that right? I'm not sure. Which is one of the biggest vehicles out uh, there. Yeah, Just yeah. from observation, I feel like I only see women driving. He said them. he literally couldn't remember the last time he sold one where the male was the primary driver. So, why do you think that is? Because uh, it's just big, and they safe. feel safe, and they mm-hmm. ride high, and it is an impressive vehicle. It does feel incredibly substantial. Um, the Infinity used to be the QX56, which was then based on the, uh, the Nissan um, Titan right. frame. Uh, when they brought out this gen, it moved to the Patrol frame, which is almost like a Land Cruiser-ish, yeah. ultra uh, off-road capable, beefy SUV. And uh, I think they've done pretty well with that. That was a good call because it also rides a lot nicer than uh, it did before and a lot of luxury in there as well. Can, can, we, can, can we talk about mm-hmm. styling? Yeah, there will be a Nissan Armada version too. Um, you mean the can. fact that it's nothing's out of bounds? That here, it's Patrick, absolutely you know? ugly. Woo. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'd say that yeah. it's ugly. Yeah, you. Well, all right. This side we, of the table, we choose to disagree. Ugly. I think it's ugly. It is. Wow. It I think is it's so pretty. bizarre looking. I mean, between that squared off back and the rounded Super front rounded, end yeah. with the Infinity grill, I just look at it and think it's ugly. And and then I, the one we had granted, we always get. Top of the line. That was yeah, limited. Um, yeah, like I had that thing for the weekend, and everyone's looking at things like this thing's ninety eight thousand dollars, and you just look at it and you're like, would I be happy if I plunked down ninety eight hundred or ninety eight thousand dollars on that thing? And I had to stare at that thing every day. I would, I would lose my mind. <laughs> well, but on the other hand, it's an incredibly useful vehicle. It was very nice. It's extremely it was luxurious nice. on yeah. the inside. So, and after all, people aren't standing outside looking at it. And back to your point, Brian, that, you know, a lot of women are buying it to, to haul their families around. We had a Land Cruiser in right around mm-hmm. the same time. What is the price difference? Because I can't remember. 
Is the is a Land Cruiser more expensive than a QX? Uh, they're very similar base price. They I have a Lexus the, version of it too. Yeah, right. I think the Infinity right. gets uh, higher on the high end, but I think base pricing is very similar. Okay. As you pointed out uh, in the uh, the road test uh, that you wrote, Brian, the pe- there are the people that need these vehicles. There is no substitute. A three row crossover isn't going to do it. It doesn't tow as much. It doesn't have as much room inside. Uh, for people, anyway. Yeah, this it does tow eighty five hundred pounds, so that's you know right there with Tahoe and stuff, and the newer Tahoe uh, and Escalator, nice, uh, but they're also I don't know, they don't have the same substantial feel to them that like the Land Cruiser and the QX have. I don't think. Which we also noted, uh, like powertrain wise, the Infinity uh, QX eighty was maybe not as sophisticated. Yeah, that's an uh, old feeling. engine. That's yeah. going back a ways. So it's definitely but not the new tech there. Clearly, if you need a full size SUV besides the GM uh, Trio and besides the Ford Expedition, and they've done a nice job of redoing uh, the Expedition without actually having to be all new. Uh, this and and the new Armada are real players. Yeah, I think the Armada will be will play very well. We'll have to see what when it comes out. But. Yeah, I mean, it'll be very similar and probably only a little bit less in price. Speaking of um, crossover slash SUVs and real SUVs, um, Range Rover. After 30 years of offering a diesel engine everywhere else in the world, they finally have brought it here in the Range Rover and Range Rover Sport. Uh, It's an old engine uh, that actually has been made new again. It dates back to the days when uh, Ford was co-developing a V6 diesel with a Peugeot Citroën. Um, Thoroughly brought up to date. It's got urea injection. Was it a good move? Does anybody really care that these prestige vehicles have V6 diesel engines? Amazing engine, probably not the best timing. Although I will say, they're according to the local dealer, they're selling really well. So, well, fuel economy, my gosh, mm-hmm. it's twenty. We got our test. We got twenty six miles per gallon. That is the best of any Land Rover Range Rover product we've ever done, including the Evoque. And diesel pricing is uh, kind of on the down right now, so it's maybe good timing after all. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely makes sense on their part. Um, maybe the masses in the states don't quite know it yet, but it really is. It's a strong engine. I mean, it's still every bit of Land Rover, uh, Range Rover. Um, Land Rover, Range Land Rover, Rover, Range Rover. Right. Yeah. You're right. Both know. times, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's Always nice. right. Just act like, you, act like you're right, right all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's. It, I'm curious to see like what uh, what the salesmen are doing inside the showroom to try and push people that way. Are they trying to push people that way? Do you really need much what? cajoling to like? If somebody cajoling. wants a Range Rover. No, I mean to, towards the Rover. diesel. Oh, well, see. yeah, they priced mm. it smart. It's a little bit more, a little more expensive than the, than the yeah. V6, but it's a whole lot cheaper than the V8. 15 grand cheaper yeah. than the V8. Is it, and then yeah. what? So you sell it based on that? Or you sell it on fuel economy? How do you sell it? You definitely would sell it on fuel economy because, like, we we got great fuel yeah, we economy did. out of it. I mean, and, and generally, I can't, you know, that's been a short uh, coming of every uh, fuller size uh, Range Rover we and Land Rover we've done in the past is fuel economy. And it's still, you know, tows the same as the V8. doesn't mm-hmm. get any extra capacity there, but uh, 7,700 pounds. That's still well, a pretty good number. Yeah, that's more than adequate. So, you know, that plus all the luxury, if I – you know, if I was in the market for a Range Rover, I'd certainly go that direction. One of the quietest, smoothest diesels yeah. we've driven here, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. even opening the hood, you can yeah. barely hear any clatter. That one we had in for stand-ups, I think, was a diesel, right? Yeah. I couldn't even tell. Yeah. yeah. 
So good job. Uh, good job. Something old, new again, well and job, maybe the uh, right Rover. price. <laughs> hmm? Carry yeah. on. Carry on. Okay, a, a couple of the vehicles that we haven't done full road tests yet at, but we have been exposed to, and you will find them on our uh, websites with quick spins uh, and um, uh, first drives. Fiat 124 Spider, mm-hmm. the uh, Fiat slash Mazda uh, made uh, two-seat sports car. Greg, what's different about it from the Miata, Tell and why it. do we care? Well, there's a lot of similarities. Um We'll start with the similarities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interior, actually, it's it's all built on the same chassis. It's built Wheel, by Mazda, right? Wheel right. It's built in Japan. Wheelbase is the same. Um, the interior is almost exactly the same, minus Fiat badges where Mazda badges no would Italian be. Italian leather. Um, no. there, well, there's different uh, yeah. there's different color choices. Uh, our Miata has the body colored panels on mm-hmm. the uh, on the doors. Those are, are replaced with some soft touch materials. A um, little bit different gauge uh, details. And then the body is obviously new. It's uh, five inches longer, uh, much longer, elongated hood, kind of like a classic mm-hmm. Italian. Like a te- classic Fiat 124. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and then the engines are different. Uh, this uses a 1.4 liter multi-air turbo, which we've seen in a ton of other Fiats. More horsepower. Um, it's up to 160. Um, more torque. A lot more torque, actually. Um, but the problem is, is I didn't notice it a ton. I did notice a, a, a slight bump in torque there. But the Fiat weighs 100 pounds more than mm. the Miata. So in such a lightweight car, you feel that extra 100 pounds, definitely. And then obviously with the turbo, um, it's not as free revving and uh, it redlines a little bit lower. But uh, I, over, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking bad about it because I didn't. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I think if you're into that flair of a Fiat, you'll definitely be happy because it drives – Almost sim or almost exactly the same as a Miata, maybe a little more civilized. I did drive the our Miata right after I got home from the event, and the Miata felt like it was a tad more frantic, hmm. like hmm. Uh, just a little bit more stiff. So, which one would you buy? Um, I'd probably myself. I'd stick with the Miata just because uh, I think I trust the Mazda engine a little bit more than mm. than the, uh, the multi air voodoo. Yeah, yeah. so that's <laughs> that would be my choice. Not to say that the uh, if somebody chose a Fiat over the Miata, I couldn't I complain with them. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the one thing that they're going to experience that the and here's my I'm old again. Uh, I of course knew the original Fiat 124 quite well. I had several friends that owned them, and while they were really cool to drive and they drove well, is they were always busted for one reason or another. Busted. That you know that's not going to probably be the situation now with either of these cars. So well, bringing back, I think it's a good time to bring this car back. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, they 50th also anniversary of it. They also uh, offer an Abarth model. A uh, little bit more horsepower, like two extra horsepower, Lame. maybe four extra Lame. horsepower. Mm, yeah. I thought it was going to be awesome. I thought, yeah, it was just, you would think that was going to. be I thought off it was going to be some like two hundred horsepower, like baby steps, quad exhaust, baby like no, 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 I think but that name. It. I swear you don't. But need that, it in that name car. conjures up, you know. Do you need a seven hundred horsepower Hellcat? No, no, but I got the. I mean, I drove around an autocross course for like by myself for like an hour and I had a blast. I mean, it was just it was awesome, and it was in an Abart. So, uh, and then another difference is so the manual transmission is different. They use the previous gen Miata sh- uh, manual shifter, which was still a good shifter. Because, right? Yeah, because they say that the current gen Miata shifter couldn't handle the extra torque huh. of the engine. So that's another little tidbit. 
You know, one of the most interesting things about that partnership is that Mazda came out just recently and said that if they had not done the deal with Fiat, there might not have been a redesign of the Miata. That their the you know volume is low compared to lots of other vehicles. It costs billions of dollars to do a new one, so that partnership saved uh, the MX-5. It might have still soldiered on with the old design, but they wouldn't yeah. have just done a new one. So well, we I think it's good that. styling. Can I just real mm-hmm. quick? Sure. Mm. What do you prefer, new Miata or new 124? Looking at them side by side, I I when I first saw the 124. At the auto show, I instantly recognized it as a Miata. I mean, yeah, I yeah. knew, but I mean, I thought proportions were very similar. But I like the uh, the uh, old uh, sixty style uh, one twenty four styling and a little for that. You know, it was basically a uh, kind of a knockoff, uh, even in its day, of what Ferrari was doing. And I thought that's pretty handsome. So I guess I prefer the Fiat style. Just wanted the John Davis. Well, about you? Opinion. Um, I like the Miata. I haven't seen the 124 in person, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think I don't think I would want to buy a Fiat that looks like a Mazda. But. Well, I didn't say it looks like a Mazda. It doesn't really look like a Mazda. It has some some There's, some of the yeah, same proportions, really but it, yeah. then to every me, other two seats for Char does too. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad they did it. But yeah, styling is uh, as Brian is always pointing out is a a, a personal uh, thing. I, I do a, always point that out. It's okay. a personal. Thing. It is a personal. Subjective. Yes, is it? Speaking of personal things, Mercedes-Benz C-Class Coupe. Yeah. Greg, okay. it's yours again. You went to the preview. I'm nervous Man, about how this is going. He travels a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, well, what would you like to know about it? Okay. Because now I'm actually trying is it to do really, everything. How much different is it than the four-door? Was it worth waiting two years for? Is it, you know, now that you've got the... Uh, uh, it's no longer entry level vehicles, and the C class is. You know, have they are they in the right direction? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they need to do a coupe version um, because there's definitely people who want that. I think it looks good. Again, it's a personal thing. I think it looks good. I know you said you didn't particularly like it that much, but uh, um, I seem to be in the minority when it comes to styling. Anyway, yeah, they. Um, you know, it starts at forty three thousand uh, dollars. It's like pretty much everything on the inside is, for the most part, C class, which mm-hmm. we all love. I think yeah, the C class is a very nice car. Um, I think it might it might get to sixty just a little bit quicker uh, than than the, the four door. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, you can get aromatic suspension just like you can in the uh, four door. You can get formatic, and uh, yep, formatics available, rear wheel drive or formatic, whatever you choose. So there's definitely something for everybody if you're into or if you're looking in that segment. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's it's the greatest vehicle in that segment. It just does hmm. everything just fine. What well, would you say is the greatest vehicle in that segment? You guys say yeah. I think, well, yeah. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Audi, uh, like A5, no, S5 that's fan. That's on the uh, you can't be the even the Wrong. even the four series is pretty pretty nice. The, uh, I, 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 as far as what it looks like when I first saw it at the auto show, yeah, you know, and you can't always judge a car's styling when it's sitting on the floor of a convention center surrounded by other cars from the same brand. Sure you can. Well, you could. Sure you can. <laughs> that's our job. I, we do. That. That's our job. Yeah. But when I saw. 
the pictures of it, which were shot from a high angle. And then I saw one on the street. I liked it better. So, you know, I think it looks substantially sportier than yeah, the four-door. Yeah, they, they, you know, up the aggression on some of the mm-hmm. intakes in the front. Mm-hmm. And just everything about it is just a little bit more aggressive. Anything else? Um, what did you think of the uh, turbo four engine? I drove it in the E-Class, the new E-Class. And I thought it was even good in the E-Class. I thought it felt... Yeah, I mean, it has plenty. It has plenty of power. I think the good thing about that is over that twin turbo V6, which I think is now what the 400 mm-hmm. version. Yeah, that's the four. Yeah, it feels lighter. There's a lightness to it, mm-hmm. and um, you don't have to work real hard to get the power. So it's not gonna kill you with power, but mm-hmm. it's it's but certainly it's plenty. Yeah, and it's easy. It's very easy to drive. Okay, with that, let's move on to our lightning round. We have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. Well, once again, we have apparently reached the end of the uh, line with the Dodge uh, Viper. Uh, Dodge, then SRT, back to Dodge. Uh, This, um, I think it's proper to call it an icon, even though it wasn't around that long. Uh, I'm not so sure this is the end of the Viper. This is the end of the Viper as we know it. Um, Is it it one of those things, though, that do we really need cars like that around? I mean, it's heresy to even discuss that. What do you think? Well, no one needs one, but I'm glad that they make them, and I'm glad that I get to drive them, and I'm glad other people like to purchase them. Um, Yeah, I'm not so sure the Viper is going to, you know, totally disappear either. Either they're going to come out with a newer version or – Knowing Chrysler, they'll put a Viper trim package on a Neon or well, something. Well, the rumors didn't, are rampant yeah. that it's going to be based on, a, on an Alpha <laughs> chassis that they'll bring it back. back. Didn't it go away <laughs> before yeah. this version came out? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, what's to make there. us believe anything different? Well, there's, as I said, there's you know the rumors have been rampant for years that they're going to basically do a new one on based on an out, al- perhaps an Alpha chassis yeah. or something. So that my my thought here. process was that they had such success with like the Hellcats that they don't. The Viper kind of has been surpassed by these really cheap Hellcats that have ridiculous power, and so now you got to do something more ridiculous. Correct. It would have to be a Halo car. They, by gosh, they need a Halo car. There's no question. I think the Hellcats could be their Halo cars. Everyone, they have they have a great reputation. Everyone loves them. Every time, you, any time you see a Challenger or a Charger, everyone wants to know if it's the Hellcat. But are they going to try and capture like the track goer? You know, I mean, the Viper is a track. Like, are there even that many people track, car. track goers? Anymore? I think there's enough that you could. Oh yeah, John said it. He's, he was. I think you mentioned that it may or may not be an icon. I definitely think it's an yeah, icon. I, I grew up with like that's the poster. That's the poster car, right? A yeah. uh, Viper, and I think you know if, if they completely get rid of it, it's probably a mistake. Um, for something that's meant so much to people of Patrick and my generation, it's that's that a very good car. point. My generation mm-hmm. was more Corvette. Your generation is more Viper when it comes to domestic cars. It's also, uh, cars. you know, like their main international race car. You know, in all the sports car yeah. series. So I'm not sure they they almost needed some kind of replacement. Yeah, I, I have a hard time uh, thinking that it's going to go away for a while. I mean, too long, and they might give it a year or so while they. Figure out what they're going to do. Well, yeah, do. you said um, uh, take that engine and put it in something else crazy. It's like a Viper trim package or something. Do you think they'll use that engine for anything else? Well, I think it, if they – it'll have an all-new engine. It'll probably yeah. be a Turbo 8 or something. I'm I, just saying they, I'm yeah. sure they're still manufacturing this current engine. you think they'll put that in something else? 
I sort of doubt it. It's awfully yeah. heavy. What and, you put you know, everything is trending towards fewer cylinders yeah, with turbos. Yeah. And although well, they if they do SRT that with that engine for a while, yeah. yeah the problem is, new. is if they take that mystique of that 10 uh, V10 away, that that's a large part of the character of the car. Mm, so. Well, Ford has proven that it doesn't matter with the GT. And it's got a turbo six in it. Yeah. So. Just All right, hit the bell. I think Sorry. we zoned out. Yeah. Let's talk about a viewer question. Daniel writes, I own a Honda Accord, uh, a 2013 model. It's LX trim. Uh, it still has the original battery. Battery. Yesterday, my what car left me stranded. The car is out of warranty with 40K miles. I don't think the battery be covered much anyway. Mm-hmm. How can I test the battery and make sure it's the battery that needs replacement? Well, this guy can tell you right here. Pat Goss <laughs> would tell you that there's nothing you no, can do not. yourself to find out if the battery is in really good shape. Really? That you need a, a uh, you yeah. need uh, oh you can use a multimeter, but in order to see what the conditions of cells are, he would normally say that you've got to put it under load and have somebody do it professionally. However, you can use a multimeter. Why don't you take it away on that? Oh uh, no, just make sure it's putting out like 14 Close. volts or whatever. Well, when it's running, when yeah. it's running. And, uh, yeah, but any battery, any of those battery, battery warehouse places or advanced auto and all those, they'll test them for free. And obviously they do want to sell you one. So, but Honestly. if the battery, again, echoing Pat's words, most places test batteries without putting them under a full load. But and he says that's not adequate. We're going to need one eventually anyway. I was going to say, yeah, it's a 2013. He got what at most, maybe even four years if you bought it in 2012. I mean, it's. Batteries don't last forever. Yeah. Sometimes I, I do, sometimes I don't. I generally replace a battery, and I, I I don't know what Pat recommends here, but you can check our website for that. But I replace my batteries about every four to five years before they start you know, yeah. grinding down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the big question for you, Daniel, is whether or not the battery is getting charged properly, whether or not there's something else going wrong here. And for that, you probably more, do need yeah. a, a technician. But a 2013 is more likely that the battery's dead yeah, than the alternator's yeah. bad. And even yeah. if it is the alternator, you're going to want to start it off with a new battery anyway. So the battery's going to end up getting replaced regardless. Yeah. So might as well start with that. And generally, alternators, if they die, they die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I guess our advice, Daniel, is go ahead and get it tested. Um, I think you ought to have tested. it tested under load, but <laughs> basically uh, let a professional look at it and maybe just instead of going to all that trouble for less than 100 bucks, you can put in a brand new battery anyway and get on with it and not worry about it. Because if it's not giving you problems, real problems now, it will soon. Rant and rave. Uh, anything uh, sticking under anybody's uh, craw at this yeah, point? Yeah, he said skin yeah. last time. I've got um, rave, rant. Uh, material. Um, I, think, <laughs> I would hope so because that's the segment. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, go with it. So I'll start by saying that Maryland probably has in the in the surrounding states has probably some of the best surfaced roads. I think Pennsylvania is notoriously bad for mm. having roads. You think they're better in Pennsylvania? No, no, but I wouldn't say the Mid Atlantic has the best road services anyway. No, well, I'm saying in our area, in our area, we probably have some of the best surfaced uh, roads. Okay. The problem is this summer, I and I think last summer. They have gotten on some kind of schedule where every single road I drive on, it seems like, is being paved. Getting another and four inches not, of asphalt And, and on. they're not doing it at a quick pace. Yeah. I mean, it's 
I know it sounds like I'm complaining, and I am complaining, but like it's summertime. I want to get out and take the Miata and drive around, but I can't because there's always a flagman right there waiting for me. The the road's grooved or something. I want to drive. Not to be on Pennsylvania, but I do a lot of interstate driving, and invariably – it is the interstates leading up through Pennsylvania where there's always massive traffic jams because they're always tearing up major sections of the road and doing it again. And you do wonder, it's like, this is the time everybody's off on vacation. Okay, you can't do this in the winter. I get it. But why does everything have to be done at the same time? It, it does. Yeah. It seems like their scheduling yeah, is off. You. It's just like, couldn't you do maybe one section of road or like one area one year? I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're just getting hit with it right now and the rest of the this state's fine. I suppose the uh, the Great Recession had a lot to do with it. They probably cut back on a lot of that work, and now they're trying to make up for it. True. And there's government funds. But it does seem like that. Uh, like, I was out with the Miata the other day, and I put the top down and, you know, sunscreen on, and let's go have a good time. And I nope. think all I did was sit in traffic waiting for a flagman yeah. you know, to lift it. And to uh, add on there, there's just way too many people on the road, way too many drivers. We need a way to get some of them off the road. Yeah. Revoke some licenses or something. Mm, that seems to be the uh, opinion all over the world. That it? Yeah, and rant. And rant. All right. That was pretty mild. Pretty mild, guys. Yeah, I could have really, really went in on them, but I didn't. <laughs> Not this time, though. We're going to wrap up this 144th edition of our Motor Week podcast. I want to thank everybody sitting around the table that contributed today. Our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. Pause in case he says something. Uh, it was a real, Insert, it was you're a real welcome. pleasure to be here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, don't lie. Writer Patrick Lucas. Hey, hey. It really was a pleasure hey, to be here. Good. I'm glad you're here, all of you. Assistant producer Greg Carlos. Uh, 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 nothing. Uh, uh, nothing. Audio engineer Jim Bigwood, who's always make sure that we sound the best we possibly can. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And, of course, our podcast producer, Patrick Lucas, the guy with the bell. I insist upon that. All right. If you haven't seen Motor Week, shame on you. We can be seen weekly on public television stations around the country. Time and stations are on our website, motorweek.org or .com. We're also on Velocity. That's the uh, Discovery Channel that features cars, planes, trucks, anything that moves. Please catch us there every week. Our YouTube uh, site has got everything you could possibly want on it that Damn, you might have missed. Check out the YouTubes. Uh, basically, if you want to know about cars and you want to hear what Motor Week has to say, it's pretty easy to do. But we thank you very much for being a part of our podcast. And, uh, Patrick, is this one also going to be a video cast? It will be. It's a video cast as well. It'll be a video cast. I'm John Davis. Thanks for being a part of <laughs> all of our experiences Smooth. here at Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org and watch Motor Week television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.